You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the book of Psalms, now looking at Psalms 19 and 119. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Psalms 19 and 119, God's Word. In our first Psalms podcast, we examined Psalm 1 after going over some general pointers for studying all the Psalms. We saw that Psalm 1 serves as an introduction to the entire Psalter. It discusses two paths, and if we stay on the right path, which is only possible if we ignore the world's counsel and listen to God, then we'll be prosperous. In effect, we become prosperous by becoming wise through God's Word. And we're more likely to grow in this wisdom when our attitude is right, when we truly rejoice in God's Word. And that brings us to our second study. Now, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading from the Psalms, but primarily from those mentioned in the title, uh, 19 and 119. But we'll start in 138, verse 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Of course, that's a beautiful verse. It's also a prayer, as so many of the Psalms are. The writer The prayer is focused on God's character. And you cannot help but be struck, as I am, that he says that the Lord has exalted above all things his name and his word. Now, the name is not just a word like God or Yahweh. Um, I addressed that in a podcast on the name of God. It would be magic. It would be pagan to think that All we have to do is pronounce God's name correctly and we'll get what we want. Besides, Exodus 34 shows us that God's name is not a name like Roger, Douglas, uh, Susan, Habib. No, his name is his nature and indicates his presence and his authority. It's who God is. God is exalted above all things and his word. Now, we may be tempted to think he's talking about the Bible. In which case, we would reword, you've exalted above all things your name and the Bible. Is that quite right, though? I don't think so. Now, surely, the Bible is God's word, in that it is a message from God. But biblically, Jesus is the word. When the word became flesh, John 1.14, God became incarnate. The Bible didn't become flesh. Jesus is not the same Thing as the Bible. So here, God's word refers to his spoken will, doing his will, understanding his will. That's what we're called to do. Now, of course, we learn all about this in Scripture. We have to be careful, even though God's word is exalted, that we don't lift up the Bible so high that we're bowing down to it. That's a kind of idolatry, which is called bibliolatry, worship of a book. Bibliolatry. Now we can worship Christ because in nature he is God. So 
That's not a form of idolatry. By immersing ourselves in Scripture, we are able to learn God's good, a pleasing and perfect will for our lives. What sort of people we should be striving to become, how we're meant to live out our faith, and what it means to have Christ living in us. So God's Word is more than just Scripture. Now, lest there be any confusion, I'm not denying the inspiration of the Bible. I fully embrace the truth that the Bible shows us God. It's inspired. And although we don't worship it, our worship of God will be significantly accelerated when the Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. Colossians 3.16 So we're not focusing only on Scripture, though I'm a huge believer in Scripture, and I want everyone listening to go deeper than ever this year into Scripture. But God's Word that is exalted is His mind, His thinking, His will. It is, in a sense, what's behind the Bible. Psalm 12.6 The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. I like that one. I think you're getting the drift. He's not saying directly the Bible is pure words and purified. Though we can trust the manuscripts, they've been copied accurately, and you can trust God's word. What he's saying, I believe, is that what God tells us is true and trustworthy and precious. And we come to know what he's told us in Scripture. We see how he interacts with individuals, with Israel. We see how he becomes flesh in the Incarnation when God, through Jesus Christ, visits our planet. And everything God says we can fully trust. And it's because we trust God and his words that when we hear his voice in the Bible, we trust the Bible. That connection may be a little hard to wrap your head around, but keep thinking about that. Now we're going to go to our first main uh, scripture, which is all of Psalm 19, and I'll uh, probably make you encouraged to know we're not going to read all of Psalm 119. That would take probably 25 minutes just to do the reading. Um, Psalm 19 which is one of the most beautiful psalms in the entire Psalter. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom living, leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy, its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. I'm reading in the English Standard Version. So the first part of the psalm is talking about God's, not his written words so much, as the way he speaks to us in nature, in the heavens themselves, which tell us quite a bit about God. Romans 1 picks up that theme. Uh, just looking at nature, there's certain things we would know uh, that, that in a way are beyond words. Now, the second part of the psalm talks about God's book of words. Think about scripture as I read this. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, I'll read the conclusion in just a second. Here, we're talking about God's law. And there is an identification here between God's law and the Torah, God's word given to Israel. And we read about this very often in the Psalms. And it's he uses many different phrases. Just because he doesn't say the word doesn't mean he's not referring to God's word. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules. That's six ways of talking about our right orientation to God, being willing to listen to his word, which, of course, we'll do as we approach scripture. And he says these are more to be desired than gold. That's how valuable the Bible is. In my home, I've got hundreds of books, maybe thousands of books. Nothing is as precious as the Bibles I have. Uh, maybe it's a hundred Bibles in, in many languages and many versions of English. And I love to read it in as many different forms as I can get at it to get fresh perspective and new angles on the scripture. Although I'm a big reader, if you know me personally, you know that I read quite a few books um, at any one given time. But I want to be remembered after my death as a man of one book. Though I may read many books, by far, my book is the Holy Bible. And that's where I spend the majority of my time every day when I'm doing my reading. Okay, so the first part of the Psalms talks about God's book of works, as it's been put, nature. But there's another book, and that's his book of words that entails commandments and precepts and the law. Now, the conclusion of the psalm, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a beautiful psalm. This emphasizes how the word will change our lives. So we'll, we'll hear God's word when we look out at the starry sky. In a way, we, God is speaking. When we turn and, and focus on scripture, where we find God's commandments, his guideline for life, his uh, perfect will there, we also are listening to his voice. But it doesn't just end there. The goal is not head knowledge. Notice how the psalm ends in prayer for integrity and righteousness. He says, who can discern his errors? I mean, we're not objective. Uh, we, we certainly don't want to be caught doing things that we know are wrong. 
But the psalmist recognizes there's some things we do that we're blind to. Maybe it's the way we treat other people. Um, I, I like things to be done quickly. I like efficiency. I value economy. And I can get impatient. Uh, with bureaucracy and waiting in lines and things, and I'm always catching myself and biting my tongue, and and from time to time I have to apologize because of the impatience. A lot of times I'm not even aware of it. Uh, We may be unaware of materialistic thoughts because we're saturated in our culture. Uh, We may be desensitized to not just materialism but to sexual things. We live in a, a highly sexed or oversexed society and we may think, well, I've got a good conscience, I'm pure, I have a good balance. But we're not the ones to say we're balanced. Uh, the standard is not our society, it's certainly not even uh, our church leaders. The standard is God, His character. And we know that through His Word. And so the psalmist prays for um, repentance and, and integrity uh, from over sins that he knows of, that he doesn't know of. And it's not just things he does. It's also his words. Let the words of my uh, my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So it's actions, words, and his very thoughts, deeply um, focused on the heart. And we'll uh, focus on that ourselves in another podcast. And he prays that he'll be acceptable. So the end result, if we really get God's word, is that our words will also be true and pure. Just like our Heavenly Father, what we say will be significant, it will be trustworthy, and and that's the way we're going to represent God in this world. Now we go to Psalm 119, and if you've uh, read these two Psalms recently, you'll notice that many things in 19 seem to be amplified in 119, or maybe 19 is just a crystallization of 119. Uh, It's a beautiful psalm, and what I'd like to do is just read a number of the passage. When I, last year, uh, when I prayed through this psalm uh, 50 times, I uh, marked a number of the verses. These are verses I'd like to memorize, I want to know, and I've not memorized all of them. I've got a long way to go. But I'm just going to read these verses to you. And then we'll conclude the podcast with some prayer points. Um, and, and they're all included in the notes to this podcast. And then a few questions to challenge us as you prepare for um, the third lesson in the series. So I'm in Psalm 119. You know it's long. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's funny. It's just two chapters after the shortest chapter in the Bible. And every single verse refers to God's Word. It may not always use the word, word. There are many synonyms and there are many phrases that mean the same. But these phrases are words like uh, uh, statutes and testimony uh, appear over and over. Precepts. And um, even when it isn't mentioned, it's implied. And usually it's mentioned at least once a verse. It's an amazing psalm. Okay. So I'm not going to interrupt myself to give you the verse numbers. I'll just put those in the notes, and you can just listen. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having fixed my eyes on all your commandments. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I believe the NIV says, uh, you, you, know, you set my heart free. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I hasten and I do not delay to keep your commandments. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my, heart, may my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you've given me life. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Your words, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. I open my mouth and pant, because I long for your commandments. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So, I've just highlighted a few of the passages, but can we, can we breathe in that spirit? The psalmist is so excited by God's word. It means more to him than money. And that's in our world. Uh, there are a lot of people who would gladly skip their quiet times if they could just make more money. I mean, we... We virtually worship money. In the Bible, money is a false god. In the New Testament, we have the Aramaic word mammon. You know, mammon, cannot, we cannot serve God and mammon, Jesus said. So this is our true treasure. And although we know it is, we're not consistent. And so a number of these verses are the expression of a desire to be more consistent. Don't you want to be more consistent yourself? I believe you do. That's why you're listening uh, to these lessons on the Psalms. You want to have the heart of God, and yet you're just like me. You have good days and bad days, good hours and bad hours, good times and times where the world just grabs you, and you think things or say things, do things that you know are not Christ-like, and, and it makes me ashamed. 
If we've lost the ability to feel ashamed, then we're in trouble. But if we feel ashamed and we feel indignation and we want to do what's right, and ultimately, as this psalmist said, we want uh, ourselves to be orientated correctly to God's word so that others will come to us. We want God to use us. We want to be conduits for his grace. We want to relay his message to our neighbors, our friends, our family, to the world. We want that. Okay, we're not perfect. We wander, we stumble, but we can pray for consistency. We're like lost sheep. And so it's a great heart. You know, some people think it's tedious, but I think they're, they're not really reading it with the right attitude. It's a wonderful psalm. And I think it's of significance that the longest chapter, the, the longest psalm in Scripture is all about God's Word. And if we will devote ourselves to God's trustworthy Word, then we'll be on track and what we say will be right. And you'll see many connections as you go back between 19 and 119. Okay, a few things we can pray, and these are from the verses I've just read. Uh, I have uh, chosen seven. I just noticed I chose seven of them, but maybe that's, um, that's very biblical. One is, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word, verse 18. When we come to meditate on God's word, I think we need to not just open our eyes. I mean, how can you even do that? No one's objective. But how about at least praying for God to open our eyes? Pray for God to show us wonderful things and expect it. You could read any part of the Bible and see wonderful things. But without the right attitude, without the diligence that that will get you the right kind of training and teaching in the Bible, then you'll miss the treasure. Second, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 10, that prayer for consistency. We just... We tend to wander. We mean well, but we mess up. Uh, we're not always men and women of our word. We need to have the integrity of God. Three, incline my hearts to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Very close to this, incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. See, as we meditate on God's will, his word, our heart can be changed. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. So that was 36, 112, and 37. We're praying for God to direct our hearts the right way. And don't just think, well, I wake up and my heart's all right. Or I just know I'm a wonderful person. And, you know, because I'm a Christian, I don't really need to examine my heart. That, that would be a huge mistake. Because even though uh, the hearts of Christians, followers of Christ, they're they're purified, and we have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean we're necessarily walking by the Spirit. So we need uh, regeneration. As we saw in Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19, the, the earlier psalm, God's Word restores us. We all need restoration. God restores us, Psalm 23, but God's Word restores us. It strengthens us, it confirms us, it gets us back on track. Terrific. Six, keep me steady according to your promise let no iniquity get dominion over me. Our attitude at times of meditation, such as now, is directly connected to what kinds of sins we struggle with, whether it's overeating or pride or, more blatantly, arrogance, substance abuse, sexual sin of many different varieties, uh, self-focus, uh, we want to be steady. We're going to be steady. We're going to be uh, consistent as we trust in God's promise and, and 
I don't want any iniquity to get dominion over me. I know you don't either. And seven, it was the last verse of the psalm. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. That's beautiful. And it identifies us as dumb sheep. A couple questions for you. Am I willing to become a careful reader? Am I willing to do what it takes to really have my eyes open, to have the right heart, but also to invest myself? Am I doing what I need to ensure that my heart is captivated in God's Word and not captivated in the world? There should be nothing that we're learning more about than God's Word. Not sports, not fashion, not some academic subject or hobby. These are all okay, they have their place, but they're insignificant compared to God's Word. Am I doing the right thing to stay captivated in God's Word? And then, what kind of a connection is there between God's Word and His heart and my Word and my heart? Am I living with integrity? Am I being pure and simple and focused, laser-focused, as the Word of God would have me be? Those are my questions. Of course, the point isn't just to boost Bible knowledge. It's to increase our knowledge of God Himself, to experience the living God. And that's what we'll be looking at in our third lesson. We hope you enjoyed Douglas' teaching on the book of Psalms. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas' website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.